Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. You ready for the Word of God? I'm going to talk about dealing with anger. Wow. Anger, that, that tiger that can sometimes mess us up or other people get angry and they can wound our souls. Turn to jo- Jonah chapter 4 verse 1. If you've got your Bible or on your app or whatever, Jonah chapter 4 and the words will be up here. Jonah was a prophet and God told him to go and, and speak repentance to the people of Nineveh and they were a cruel people. And he ran away from God. And you know, some of you know the story about how a whale swallowed him. Three days and nights in the whale. And the whale was led by an angel because he ended up getting spat up on the beach, not far from Nineveh. So he ended up finally doing what God told him to do. So it doesn't pay to run from God. That's the first point tonight. Doesn't pay because God's in charge. He can sort out a whale. He can sort out anything to reach our hearts. But let's read these these verses in Jonah chapter 4. This one. Jonah was furious. Remember, there's a prophet of God, a man who loved God. He lost his temper. Uh-oh, he yelled at God. This is a, a, a preacher, an evangelist. God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I, I knew you were sh- sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. God said, what do you have to be angry about? But Jonah just left. He walked out on God. That's not a good move either. He went out of the city to the east and sat down in a sulk. He put together a makeshift shelter of leafy branches and sat there in the shade to see what would happen to the city. God arranged for a broadleaf tree to spring up. It grew over Jonah to cool him off and get him out of his angry sulk. Jonah was pleased and enjoyed the shade. Life was looking up, but then God sent a worm. By dawn the next day, the worm had had bored into the shade tree and it withered away. The sun came up and God sent a hot, blistering wind from the east. The sun beat down on Jonah's head and he started to faint. He prayed to die. I'm better off dead. Then God said to Jonah, what right do you have to get angry about this shade tree? What right do you have angry? Jonah said, plenty of right. It's made me angry enough to die. God said, what's this? How is it that you can change your feelings from pleasure to anger overnight about a mere shade tree that you did nothing to get? You neither planted it nor water it. It grew up one night and died the next night. So why can't I likewise change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure, this big city of more than 120,000 childlike people who don't, didn't, don't yet know right from wrong to say nothing of all of the innocent animals? Wow, what a story. Here's the prophet, angry at God because God forgave the people. Now you've got to realize these were cruel people. And they used to raid the the people of God. And so Nineveh may have had some of his own family or may have lost some of his property or his relative lost property to these raiding people. So in his own mind, he thought, I've got a right to be angry that God, you've forgiven them. That's why he didn't want to go and give them the message because he knew God was going to forgive them. And so he's wrestling all this and he's angry at God. Who's ever been angry at God? We won't get a show of hands. Yeah, you are going to show your hands, eh? A lot of people are saying, well, I'm in. I think nearly all of us have had times where we've said, God, I'm, I don't get this. I'm upset. I'm annoyed at you. 
Anger might be a too strong a word for some of us. But you're in frustrated or annoyed that God didn't answer your prayer, didn't break through, didn't sort out your family like you asked him to. God can do it, but he hasn't done it. And so these people were um, angry and upset. What does the word anger mean? It says a strong emotional reaction of displeasure, often leading to plans for revenge or punishment. It can be a strong feeling that makes you want to hurt someone or be unpleasant because of something unfair or unkind that has happened. And we've all had anger happen to us. I never ever used to get angry until I had kids. Not that they were bad kids. It was probably more so when they became teenagers because they wouldn't do what I asked them all the time. And I remember when I was, had a couple of teenagers and one day I, I was just getting really frustrated and angry. And I never beat them or did anything cruel or harsh, but I remember these feelings of anger came up. I said, where did they come from? I've never really had these feelings before. And I went on a journey where God had to deal with my heart and I realized that I used to have unresolved emotions that were now spilling up when the pressure came on my soul with my family. And God had to deal with some stuff in my heart, which I'd never processed, and I'd just buried emotions inside. And if you keep pushing them down, eventually they're going to come up like a volcano. And some people, when their pressure or trigger point happens, what happens? There's an explosion. It's like a volcano. Other people just seethe inside, and it just slowly stirs and builds up, and then eventually... You do something totally out of character. You'll say something really out of line. You're thinking, where did that come from? It's probably been building up for days, weeks, months, or years inside of your soul. The good news is that Jesus has come to set the captives free, and he's come to help release and teach us how to process those out-of-control emotions that come. And I want to deal with the one of anger tonight because anger is not always wrong but often it becomes destructive. And the Bible actually teaches a whole lot about it. So off, anger is often a fruit and not the root. Anger is often a symptom. And I've had people come into my office and, or come to the office and say, I need to get prayed for for anger. And when I was younger, I'd pray for God to release the anger and they'd get sorted out for a few week or two and then it'd be back again. And then I realized that anger, the emotion of anger and those feelings of frustration and annoyance were an emotional fruit of stuff that was on the inside and simmering on the inside. Unresolved relationship, often hurt and pain and disappointment. And so we're going to talk a little bit about where does anger come from and how do we deal with it? And you say, well, I've got that one sorted. That's good. And if you have, that's awesome. But the reality is you'll meet people who have still got it, so therefore you'll now be better equipped to able to minister grace into their hearts and their lives. So some cause of anger. It can be unfulfilled or unrealistic expectations. So if you want to get something done and someone else robs your time, you can get angry at them. Like you're, you're in a, a rush to get to the shops or some food and then there's some people just go really slow in front of you and then they, they, they uh, just waste your time or someone jumps in front of the queue when you're ready to order you can get angry because someone has blocked your goal your what you're expecting to happen has been blocked might be in your workplace someone else has just taken advantage of the situation and you end up with all the work on your desk and they look like they're finishing all their work but they just keep slipping you more and more work and you can get angry or frustrated because 
someone has blocked what you hoped or your expectation. What is the cause? And James 4.1, we'll read this one. This helps us understand it. James 4.1-3. What is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? You jealously want what others have, so you begin to see yourself as better than others. You scheme with envy and harm others to selfishly obtain what you crave. That's why you quarrel and fight. And all the time you don't obtain what you want because you won't ask God for it. And if you ask, you won't receive it for you're asking with corrupt motives, seeking only to fulfill your own selfish desires. Wow, isn't the Bible so clear? It gives us understanding that most anger and frustration builds up inside of us. And we blame others. It's your fault that I'm angry. Most of us not. It's your response to their words or actions that is causing you to be angry. And my mum taught me a long time, if you point the finger, there's three pointing back at you, so be careful. So whenever we say it's your fault, we've always got a part in our response to it. And God's here to help us to heal our hearts. So if you're serious about restoring a broken relationship, before you talk to the other person, talk to God. He can change your heart their heart or both hearts and that might take a day a week a month or a year but if you ask God he will help work on it it's amazing how different you feel when you've prayed often the conflict is um, established or rooted in unmet needs anytime you expect human beings to meet needs only God can meet you're in trouble ever been in a friendship and you're saying well I'm lonely so they should meet my need when your heart needs to be connected with Jesus, the best friend. When he fills your heart, then relationships can be in right order, not you demanding something from them that they can't give. And then pressure and manipulation comes in relationships because your heart's empty and you're wanting people to fill what only Jesus can fill. And that's a journey that we all have to learn how to grow in and respond in our hearts and our lives. And it goes on there. Instead of um, looking to God, you look to people. Then you get angry when they fail you. So one of the first reasons that you get angry is unfulfilled or unrealistic expectations. The second one is it can be a learned habit. Anger, you can learn it from other people. If you grew up in an angry, strife-filled home, guess what? You've probably learned the habit of anger because it's what you observed in your vulnerable years or you've got good friends that regularly get angry and it, it often is used, it's a... Learned habit that's used to intimidate or control or to get your way. Boy, I've, I've, Marilyn and I have been called into households and marriage and families and one person uses anger to intimidate and try and get their way. Sometimes we do it very subtly through intimidation. Other times it's more direct. You do what I say or else. There is threats that come with it. And God says that's not the way to live. That's not honouring and loving and valuing and respecting other people. And we all have to learn this process. Temper tantrums, threats, angry outbursts. Temper tantrums can look cute in a two-year-old in the shopping centre aisle. But they're not good for a 15-year-old or a 29-year-old or a 45-year-old person still throwing tannies because they can't get their way. And we've all seen that in relationships, in marriages. In households, you see people sometimes just throwing tantrums because they don't get their way or their needs met. And God says, hey, don't live like that. There's a better way to live. 
There's a better way where you can let Jesus heal your heart. And this learned habit can be changed. It can be broken off of your life. And Jesus come to set you free. And he will teach you how to bring self-control in your spirit. He will teach you to bring your frustration and hurt to God so he can heal your heart. And then you can learn to treat people with value and honor and respect. Otherwise, it can get so crazy. And you go down the street, you see, why does road rage happen so quickly? I'm just shocked at some of the things you see on the news now. Road rage just happens like that. And there's people out there throwing stuff and words and, and even punch-ups happening in the streets. I'm thinking, how, how did that happen? So many people are just under the threshold of overload of anger and frustration in their lives. It takes one little incident and over they go. And I thought, that's so sad that our lives are so stressful or we haven't learned to handle our emotions and one trigger and all of a sudden we explode in uncontrolled rage. And I've read some of the stories of people that actually have murdered someone. They say, I don't know what happened. This rage just came over me and then I was totally out of control. And that's not the whole truth, but it can be almost the truth. Because when, when you let that run in you, the adrenaline can run and your, your brain and your heart can run where you are out of control. And then the spirit of anger, which is an evil spirit, will come and take control and destroy. And God doesn't want us to live like that. He wants us to live in a spirit of freedom. And so it's a learned habit that God wants to break. The third one is probably one of the most common ones that you and I face. People are angry because they're hurting. We get angry because we're hurting. Our needs aren't being met. Someone's taken advantage of us. There's been abuse or control or manipulation or people have stolen some things from us physically, financially, or they've stolen some of our heart or our purity or our integrity. And, and hurt, anger's a way of avoiding the truth of an unbearable feeling. Some angry people, I've found that they've got so much unbearable pain in their heart, they just keep people at a distance through anger. Whenever anyone gets too close, they'll just use anger to push people emotionally or physically away so that they don't have to deal with the real issues of their heart. And some of us have done that in the past. And the truth tonight wants to set people free. I was praying two days ago. I said, Lord, I'm going to preach Sunday night. And this is as clear as a bell. He said, you need to preach on anger. Not that we're going to have a whole crowd of angry people, but we need to know the truth so we can live in freedom. And some of us are still wrestling with stuff. And God wants to teach us how to live in freedom. So if there's hurt, it will often come out in anger. There's guilt. There's a sense of powerlessness and humiliation. Hurting people hurt people. You know, when you've been hurt, you end up saying stuff that you normally wouldn't say. You're just not as tolerant or patient or kind or considerate. And we know how that happens. We need to attack the problem, not the person. It's so easy to attack the person instead of challenging and dealing with the problem, the pain, the unforgiveness. So often, you're hurting and it turns into anger. A fourth one is fear and anxiety can lead to anger. I learned this with one of my kids. I won't mention names. There's only three, so you can have a guess. But one of them, one of them, I remember when they were teenagers, and one night they came home just so frustrated. They'd been at school and then a sports event and a social event, and they were so angry and upset. 
And I was trying to find out what had gone on, but it was the story just went all over the place and it was their fault. And, da, da, da. and as they're going along and the story's still not getting clear, there's all this emotion. I said, Lord, what do I say? I'm not getting through here. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, just ask the person, what are they afraid of? I thought, well, I wouldn't have thought of that. I said, what are you afraid of? I'm not afraid. And then it went on for another 10 or 15 minutes. And then I came back and said, no, I'm just interested to know what, what you're afraid of. And after about the third time, they became honest with their heart and said, well, I'm afraid I'm not fitting in and I'm afraid I'm going to fail at school. And, da, 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 and I'm a pastor's kid, so I've got to be, be doing it all right and make it look like I'm succeeding. And all of a sudden, all the fears started to tumble out. And then we were able to pray, peace, deal with some of the frustration and fears. And they moved on into more freedom. So some people that are angry are just really afraid on the inside that they're failing. They're not making it. They're not meeting God or other people's expectations. And so we don't know how to process it, so we just get angry. Some of you look at me and nod in your head saying, hey, that sounds like where I live sometimes. This is not about a judgment or a condemnation. This is truth so we can live in freedom because the truth has to connect to our heart and then we can move on in freedom. Another thing of anger, which is a genuine process, is part of the grief and loss process. Sometimes when you uh, lose something, grief and loss is when you lose something valuable to you. Obviously, we talk about grief and loss when a loved one dies. But you have grief and loss over losing a job or a pet or a friend or something that's valuable to you. When you lose that, there's a grief process. And anger is often one of the early stages of grief. Where you just, you just got to blame someone. You're angry at God. You're angry at yourself for not protecting it. You're angry at the doctors because they didn't intervene quick enough. And you, you can be angry at so many things. The thing is, you can't stay in that place of anger for too long. Otherwise, it becomes destructive to your emotions and your body and your soul. It's, an, it's a normal part of the grief process of loss. But if you're stuck there six months later, still angry, then you're stuck somewhere on that journey. And God wants to help release that process so you can move forward in the, the, the grief and loss process. So anger is not always wrong but it doesn't have to be destructive. The next one is the demonic anger and rage. <clears throat> and we see the demoniac in the uh, Gadarenes where Jesus came. And it says there was a man, he was filled with thousands of demons. It says he used to cut himself. They had to tie him up with chains because he was destroying himself and no one could get near him. It'd take a whole crowd of guys to hold him down to try and protect him. He lived in the, in the cemetery because no, he couldn't live in town anymore. He was controlled by evil spirits that were driven by anger and rage to destroy. I know this is real. I've prayed for some people over the years. And they come presenting a problem and I start praying for release in Jesus' name and then this spirit of anger or destruction will come out of the person and try and attack me as Jesus' representative. I know how powerful this is. There's been times when I've had to stand in the name of Jesus. Marilyn and I and other teams, sometimes we've had to take authority over demonic spirits of destruction and anger that are, can be so powerful in the natural, much more powerful than any individual person. And I've had to fight that in the name of Jesus and see them set free. And I know how powerful this is. But the key is, don't give yourself into a place where anger can take over control of your life. 
Because if you give in to a wrong ap- emotion and atmosphere, you open the door for the enemy to start to take control in that area of your life. That's why this is really, really important. And sometimes anger can be just emotional tiredness or physical sickness or pain overload or a frustration to build up. It can just be that, and God wants you to get... Um, if you're in a constant pain, usually your patience levels are a lot shorter, and often you will just react because someone gets close enough physically or emotional pain. they just got to touch a trigger, and all of a sudden you an outburst, and you think, oh, where did that come from? I just yelled at my friend or my family. When you know you love them, it can just overload, and they're triggers in our souls. Alcohol or... Drug excesses can sometimes release violence and anger. And uh, you, you watch a bunch of guys and they, they at a footy game and they're drinking and then after the game they're beating each other up with anger and violence. And they how did that happen? They were mates. Anger, alcohol and drugs can lead to excess where you lose control and then sometimes the unresolved anger inside will come out in violence. And some sitting in this place tonight, you know how destructive that is and you've been a victim of it or you've actually caused it. God doesn't want us to live in regret. He's helping us to get free because we don't need to live in that lifestyle. And the last one of a cause is self-hatred. Some people just hate themselves because they feel like they've failed, they've been abused or they've been taken advantage of or they don't understand the power of Jesus' healing and forgiveness and so they live with self-hatred over their lives And it becomes a destructive thing in their soul. But the good news is Jesus has come to set us free. Let me share some scriptures and good news now. I've shared some of the challenging news, but uh, we need to not stay there. Ways to deal with anger. Number one, understand what is the cause of the trigger of your anger. And so it might be one of those nine or a few others or a combination of. And the Holy Spirit will help you see Why do I get angry when I'm around my family? It's triggering off bad memories from the past. Why do I get angry when I'm in a crowd or under a pressured situation? It could be fear-based. And God will start to show you what is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God will speak and reveal truth to us. Listen for His wisdom and godly counsel around us. Number two, we need to deal with the real issues. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says... In your anger, do not sin. Wow. In your anger, do not sin. In other words, not all anger is sin. If it was, Jesus was in big trouble because he got angry in the temple when the people were ripping off the worshippers coming. He got out a whip and he chased all the guys out of the temple. And he says he was stirred up and he was angry. And there's several other times Jesus got angry at injustice and wrong. And sometimes that will motivate you. Wilberforce got angry at slavery and that's what stirred him to give his life to break that curse off over the nations. There are times where anger is a good thing, but it's got to be against the evil and darkness, not against the people. Otherwise, you destroy them and yourself. And so sometimes I was, I was initially when I was young, I thought all anger's wrong. And that was my problem. And that was one of the reasons why when the kids grew up and become teenagers and they wouldn't always do what I expected them to do, I realized that I had a false foundation that all anger was wrong and I had to understand the scriptures and deal with it appropriately. It says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Wow, so if you don't deal with anger, you open the door for the enemy to start to take an area of control over your mind or your emotions or your heart. And that's why God wants us to be able to surrender. The Passion Version says, 
But don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be, or be fuel for revenge, not even for a day. Don't give the slanderous accuser of the devil an opportunity to manipulate you. Wow. So anger can become a tool of the enemy to, to harm people. And we've all been victims of it. And sadly, sometimes we've been perpetrators of it, sometimes unwisely. And God doesn't want us to live that way. Christians... Do not lose their emotions at conversion, but their emotions should be healed and renewed and restored. You, you know, you don't lose them. We live by faith, not by feelings, but emotional feelings are they're signals of what's going on in the inside of you and what's happening around you. <coughs> and I was raised in a, in a family where my dad came from Scottish background, my mum from German background, and neither of those nationalities were very good on dealing with emotions. <clears throat> so I wasn't good at understanding and processing emotions. It's been a long journey where God's taught me to have appropriate emotion for appropriate situations. And it's been a long healing journey in my life. And I wasn't a bad guy, but I just didn't know how to do that part. And it meant my relationships weren't as free or as whole as they could be or should be. And so God wants us, especially as men, we just don't know how to do emotions real well. We either don't do them and then we explode. Women more naturally often communicate and share their hearts and so quite often process emotion a bit better than us blokes but often they get wounded and hurt deeper and so then there's a lot of pain in the process. So God's here to help us. Psalm 4.4 says, In your anger do not sin. When you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. Wow. So sometimes you can get angry at injustice. You can get angry at the pain you see, but let it motivate you to pray and to help people, not to try and destroy people. That's the important thing. Psalm 95.10 says, For 40 years, this is God's being, I was angry with that generation. I said, There are people whose hearts go astray, and they have not mown my ways. So I declared on oath of my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Wow. A whole generation passed before the next generation God gave them grace. Thank God we live after Jesus and we live in the age of grace. So he doesn't mean judgment on whole nations and people the same as it happened in the Old Testament, but we still are accountable for our relationships and our hearts before God. There are times we need to be angry, but don't destroy others. Often this is an anger that's in your spirit, not just in your emotions. And there have been times when I've got been praying for someone who's clearly bound by strongholds or going round in circles and this this. Anger of spirit comes within me and it takes authority over the stuff. It's more than emotion. It's powerful from my spirit. Just like God taught me how to release compassion from my spirit, not just my emotions. It's a whole different story from being emotionally supportive to learning to minister compassion out of your spirit. It's a whole different powerful force that God taught me over the years how to do. It's a powerful, powerful thing. It flows through your emotions. It flows through your heart and your body and your mind. But it's from the Spirit of God. And it's so powerful and so deep that God wants to teach us how to flow in His freedom and power. Don't let anger grow and increase. Deal with it and the issues quickly. Forgive those who are triggering your anger or causing your hurt. Don't blame them. Ask God to help you to forgive them. Because then... You will be freer to be able to help others. Thirdly, if you're getting angry, 
count to 10 or 100 or 1,000, however many number you've got to go to to let your heart settle before you speak or do an action. It's just a tool to slow you down and think, hey, why am I so frustrated? What am I going to do right now? You say, well, it all boils up so quickly. And often it does. But as you start to deal with this, God will start to give you understanding what the triggers are and you'll have some doorways. Because I read the scripture this morning that God is faithful and we're under testing and temptation. He will always make a way of escape. So you don't have to have uncontrolled outbursts because God's always making a way of escape. But if it's a trained habit, of anger, you don't know where those escape routes are, but as you learn to let God work in your life, He'll start to show you the moments where you can stop and change, the triggers that can help you be set free, and that's how good. Proverbs fifteen one says, "A soft and gentle and thoughtful answer turns away wrath, but harsh and painful and careless words stir up anger." James one nineteen, my dear brothers, take notice. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Wow, that's pretty clear, hey? Wholeness is having appropriate emotions and words for each situation and person. And that's been my lifelong goal to say, Lord, help me to have appropriate emotion and words for each person and each situation. I get it right about 9 out of 10 now. When I was younger, it was probably the other way around. But you grow in freedom and in Jesus. I want to encourage you. This is a journey. This is a a victory. This is a process that we walk through. A couple more to wrap it up. Be filled with God's love. As then there is less room for selfish reactions. You know, when you you hardly ever get angry when you're in the middle of worship and prayer and the presence of God's here. You don't anger doesn't well up very often. But it's when you're not in this awesome presence in church or youth group or life group, whatever. It's when you're on your own or you work or with your family or some triggers are happening, that's when you're more likely to lose it. So God, help us to be filled up with your love. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Love is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Wow, God's love's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Whoa, some of us are really good at keeping a record of wrongs. I am amazed. I am amazed that something happens and it reminds you of the last 55 times that person has let you down. The Bible says, don't keep a record, let them go one by one. You say, well, they're just mean. Well, God's there to help love them through you and you can forgive. How many times should you forgive? Peter said, seven times. He thought he was awesome. Jesus said, no, 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 no. 70 times 7, which is 490 times, which means God's saying it's got to be a lifestyle. So I hope you're not keeping a record, 488, they're just about past it. That's not what that scripture says. It be, let it become a lifestyle of choosing to forgive. That's what, that's what he's calling us to do, and he's there to help us. Exodus 34, verse 6, and he passed, God passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Six times that verse is used in the Bible. Once in Jonah, which I read at the beginning, and five other times that verse is used. If something's in the Bible once, it's important. If it's twice, you better listen. Three times, it's absolutely essential. Six times, hey, don't forget this message. That's the power of that same verse repeated six times throughout the Bible. A couple more practical hints. If you want to deal with anger, 
stay away from angry people. Listen to these Proverbs. Proverbs 22, 24. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. Or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. Wow. You say, well, I work with an angry person. Ask God for grace. But if you hang out with people by choice, with friends who are always losing their temper, you've got to really weigh up that friendship. There are times when you can influence them and help them get to know God and get help. But if they're not willing to get help, you've got to really weigh that up. And uh, I listened to an excellent uh, message from Rick Warren this week on, on finding the right partner for your life. And he was saying about some of the things that you make sure you don't get involved with a person like this. And one of them was uncontrolled anger. He said, if you, think, if you start going out with someone with uncontrolled anger, he says, run! Don't hang around and think you can change them. Just run! I thought, well, that's good advice. Why would you get involved with someone who's got uncontrolled anger? Because if they're angry about something else, sooner or later they'll end up putting that on you. That's just the reality because anger will spill out and affect everyone around them. Wow, that's got some of you thinking. Okay, Proverbs 29, um, 22, 24 in the message says, Don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. <laughs> wow. Proverbs 29, 22, An angry man stirs up dissension and a hot-tempered man, um, a hot-tempered one commits many sins. And the last proverb here, it says, Proverbs 30, verse 33. For as churning the milk produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. I love Proverbs, isn't it? Just right down the line, tells you like it is. <laughs> you become like the company you keep, like your friends. <clears throat> Lastly, if you want to deal with anger, ask God for self-control. Let him heal your heart, but then you've got to learn self-control. I'm amazed. Some people say, well, I couldn't stop it. And yet I've seen those same people in front of their boss, they don't lose their temper. In front of a parent, they don't lose their temper. In front of someone that you want to impress, you don't lose your temper, but you'll lose it with everyone else. That shows me it, you, it, you can control it if you really want to. We, we deceive ourselves sometimes. We really, really do. And God's here to help us. So ask God to bring self-control. Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5.20 talks about some of the acts of the sinful nature. And it includes hatred, discord, jealousy and fits of rage. Whoa. I remember years ago I was pastoring on the Sunshine Coast. And a guy came running into the church. And there was a custody issue over children and the wife and kids were in church and he came demanding it was his turn to have the kids. This is at the end, of just as we were finishing church. He came, I remember he came up the stairs of the church and within about five metres of me, I could hear him yelling, but a force of anger hit my spirit. I've never forgotten this. It was like he carried this rage in him and for about a five minute metre force field around him everything was anger and rage it was such a and it hit me and immediately I started to get angry at this guy interrupting our awesome end of church service and thankfully the Holy Spirit says don't let his anger affect your spirit or soul it was a moment I'll never forget this so clear he was so angry he thought we were keeping his 
wife and kids, the kids from being able, they were, they were separated, there was a whole lot of stuff, that we were keeping them in church. He came up and swung at me like this. Thankfully, I was a bit younger and I ducked. And we had a couple of decent uh, frontline guys helped rescue. And then we escorted him downstairs and said, what's going on? But there was this force field of anger for about five metres around his soul. It was coming. It was like a force that hit me like this. I w- and I had to fight really hard not to be overwhelmed by that emotional force and a spiritual force of anger that was emanating from his soul. That's an extreme. That's why it says don't hang out with angry people if you don't have to because it'll affect your soul. It'll overwhelm your heart. The Spirit of Christ within can break that. It can come against that and you can talk it down and bring calmness into the situation. I want to encourage you tonight that God's helping us to walk in freedom from our anger. Strife in families can hurt, cause hurt and anger. Clashes between spouses, between parents and children, teenagers can just bring such pain. I remember years ago we got called in to help a, a marriage couple in trouble. We came through the door and I felt this force field of strife hit Marilyn and I as we walked through the door. It was that real. That's what they say, you can cut the air with a knife. Well, I remember that, that night. It was so strong. There was such anger and offence and pain between them. As we walked in, we thought, God, how on earth are we going to help this couple? They're just about to kill each other. Thankfully, they both knew Jesus. They were newer Christians and we were able to talk it down and then start to speak to their hearts and say, what are you doing? You've letting this stuff just destroy your lives and your marriage. Thankfully, they did listen and over a period of time, God dealt with their hearts. But they just didn't know it was a habit that they just carried into their marriage. And as new Christians, they were still learning how to deal with it. Proverbs 29, 11, last scripture says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. If you've had issues with anger or there's other people around you that have anger, I want to say you can bring control to it. We need the Spirit of God to release our heart because if you've got a lot of undealt with pain and sin in your soul, it's going to trigger off frustration and anger way too often. But the Spirit of God wants to bring release. And like I said, sometimes it's only certain people that will trigger you off. It's someone who reminds you of someone in your growing up years that triggers you off. And God's grace is there to help you. Don't ignore those triggers. Say, Lord, why does that type of person trigger me off? When they don't accept me, why does it tear my soul apart? Whereas someone else saying, oh, well, they just don't want to be friends. And then you can walk away. But that tears your heart. That shows the Spirit of God wants to bring healing into our hearts and our lives. You can either clam up, blow up, or grow up. That's your takeaway line tonight. You can clam up and bury it. You can blow up and keep everyone at a distance. Or you can learn to grow up in freedom in Christ. And I've determined a long time ago, I'm going to grow up. I'm not going to let that stuff destroy me. You can take offence or you can take correction. <clears throat> the choice is entirely yours each time you get angry. This is a prayer I've prayed. May God help me to grow up before I grow old. Lord, help us to do that. God's calling us to trust in him and he'll heal and restore your soul. Let's stand in his presence tonight. 
To be at peace with God can significantly help you to be at peace with others. Face your hurts, fears and patterns of behaviour with God's love and truth. You can change. Back to Jonah. Jonah, don't be like Jonah who had a wrong perspective on how God should deal with the Ninevites who are a picture of this sinful world. Hey, don't judge others because people don't know any better or they don't have Jesus' grace in their life. So be careful you don't judge like Nineveh did. Love people. People matter. God, help us. Help us to love people and to care for people. You can change. God is slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.